We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. In our estimation, he was the best playmaker, lead ball handler in the draft. Uh, He's a winner. He's directed multiple really good players on the floor, and and he he comes from a really good culture and program. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast brought to you by ShipStation, ShipStation promo code BLUE. My name is Mike V. Hill, the host of this podcast, and of course with me, the co-host of this podcast, Sam Cooper. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. It's that time of the year. Feeling 110% about the season coming up. I've put on 15 pounds of muscle, and I'm in the best <laughs> shape of my life. <laughs> my actual notes for to start this episode say... Optimism season has turned into workout video season, which will soon turn into 10 pounds of muscle season. Those are the three seasons that we're about to get to. This is the time of year where we get to see uh, NBA players playing with, I don't, regular people. Like, I find it funny that when we see these pickup games that are all circulating online, which are really fun to watch, to be honest. But they're like, there's always only like three or four NBA players playing in these games. There's never like 10, (laughs) you know, five on five NBA players. I always wonder if they're like, all right, Kelly Oubre, you're on this team. CJ McCollum, you're on the other team uh, because we got to, you know, one of us has to go up against J. Cole and dominate J. Cole on the (laughs) Internet. We're not going to we're not going to put Kawhi Leonard on the other team and trying to school him on Instagram. Like we have to have a few scrubs on the floor because each of us want some highlights here. I always wonder who those extra players on the floor are. Are they like D1 college guys or I really I don't have any ideas. 
Yeah, I mean, they could be D1 college guys. They could be G League guys. Uh, they could be street ball players. I mean, tons of guys are dying to be in the entourage of these NBA players during the summer. And uh, you're right, it is entertaining to watch. Let's just not, you know, take too much out of anything that we see circulating the internet right now. <laughs> the point is, I, I want in. I, I want to be in those games. I want people to realize how good these NBA players are when I'm guarding them, because that <laughs> will be a disaster for me. <laughs> and if we really want to contrast how good they are compared to the average person, put me in there. I'm even below average by most standards, so I'll, I'll do that for them. I'll be on their highlight reels on Instagram. I'll be in those uh, those special cut-together uh, clips that makes every NBA player look like an absolute superstar. Uh, I'm willing to do that. We've seen one of Devin Booker. That looked pretty great. Devin Booker just did Devin Booker things. I thought uh, it was fun for that Devin Booker video that uh, he was wearing a Suns shirt. I don't think that was a mistake. I think he's trying to represent the Suns as best possible. I like that it was the cutoff sleeves, the old school uh, style workout. <laughs> no no jersey out there, just the cutoff sleeves. We saw a Kelly Oubre video. Kelly Oubre seems to be dominating. Did you watch the Kelly Oubre highlights at all, Sam? No, but before we get to that, was that the Devin Booker video with the sweatpants? You can't yeah, mention the, the cutoff shirt and not the sweatpants. Yes, you're right. Yes, Devin Booker showed up to the gym looking like my dad, basically, <laughs> and he dominated. He absolutely dominated everyone in there because he's Devin Booker, and that's what he does. I'm not sure if he played any defense, but does anybody play defense in those games? Is there any reason to? Um... Ubre was in the most recent one. Ubre also wearing sweat. Actually, it looked like Adidas track pants and uh, Converse. Chuck Taylor's like he was on the floor <laughs> in what I wear like on Sunday afternoons when I have nothing to do. And he was dominating as well. Funny thing about Kelly Ubre, guess how many of his highlights were jump shots, Sam? Uh, I'm going to guess none of them. None. No, no <laughs> none of them at all. I wanted at least one. It's not that I don't appreciate how athletic uh, Kelly Oubre is, but I have faith that he can uh, dunk on these scrubs like he was. I was hoping to see a couple spot-up three-pointers just to see if it's uh, looking any better so far this offseason. Not that I don't have... I mean, he worked with Drew Hanlon. Like, that's a shot coach, so I'm sure he's working on that three-pointer. I just wanted to see it. Well, you know what? Um, And he looked good. There's another Suns player who was taking jump shots, though. So, you know, maybe that makes up for Oubre's lack thereof. Yes, the subject of our episode this week, Ty Jerome. Uh, it's the off season. We have a, we had an awesome opportunity to speak with Ty Jerome's father, and of course, Ty Jerome. Those highlights of him looked incredible because this is a guy who's like, I know what I'm good at. I'm gonna do what I'm good at. <laughs> I'm just gonna take. I'm just gonna bomb some threes from as far as possible, where people just won't guard me. Essentially, probably won't happen in the NBA, of course. But uh, in those pickup games, he's got a lot of space to get that three off and. Uh, he was making a lot of really difficult-looking three-pointers, and it got me really excited to uh, to see a point guard for this team who can actually shoot. When was the last time we had a point guard on the Suns that could actually shoot the three-pointer? I can't even I can't even remember. Define actually shoot the three-pointer. Like wizard cutoff. <laughs> I don't cut think Bledsoe counts. Like at one point, it had in to have his, been yeah, Dragic. Like, yeah, it had to have been <laughs> Dragic. Well, I was going to say at one point in his career, maybe Brandon Knight like was advertised as a point yeah. guard who can shoot. I don't really know if he was ever there on the Suns. Uh, or if he was ever even really a true point guard on the Suns. Um, Bledsoe, probably not. Not Tyler Uless, not Alfred Payton, not maybe Isaiah Kanan, kind of on mm. a good day. Like, not Mike James. Yeah. Oh, we had Seth Curry no. in a 10-day contract once. Oh, God. Yeah, and of course we <laughs> let Seth Curry go. <laughs> That's the one guy that turned out to be an NBA player of all those 10-day contract guys. 
just happened to be Seth Curry, of course. The most obvious one, probably, that, that would have ended up being a good NBA player was Seth Curry. And, of course, we let him go. Um, but all of that led to us drafting, of course, Ty Jerome. This is There's a massive hole at point guard, even though we had a few on the roster. There was such a massive hole on at point guard for this team. And, of course, Ricky Rubio is going to fill that starting role right away. But we talked about it in the past, Sam. It seems like that backup point guard role, especially if you don't consider... Tyler Johnson, a point guard, which he kind of is. He's a combo guard. It seems like that fourth guard spot is wide open, and Ty Jerome will likely have a chance to compete compete for that spot, right? Yeah, he's got a good chance. I mean, I don't really know if I consider Tyler Johnson more of a point guard or a shooting guard. Physically, he's more in a point guard's body, I think, but he's never... You know, he can play make for others. He can run the pick and roll, but he's not a guy with a particularly high assist rate or anything like that for his career. Uh, so really, I think the Suns just go in with three confirmed guards in the backcourt. You know, Devin Booker can play a little point guard. Tyler Johnson can play a little point guard if they have to. Um, but th- there's definitely room. They have room for a fourth consistent member uh, of the rotation, the backcourt. And at this point, we're just not sure if that's going to be Javon Carter, who actually, you know, has that NBA experience. Maybe even Jalen LeCue is going to go out and impress a lot. Maybe Elia Kobo. Um, but Ty Jerome's going to be competing with all those guys, and he has a really a really good opportunity to shine. I suppose the only thing that could throw a wrench in that is if they like, I don't know, bump up Mikhail Bridges, kind of play him more at the two. And then he sort of in a weird way becomes the fourth guard. Like if the Suns wanted to go with only an eight or nine man rotation, then Ty Jerome would kind of be in trouble, but he'll have a good shot to prove himself uh, in front of Monty Williams in training camp. Yeah. And I think he's in a good position to be the guy that gets those fourth guard minutes for two reasons. One, he's 6'5", like he's a legitimately tall point guard, and he could play next to Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson would likely be the guy defending the twos in that scenario. And two, he can shoot. There's not a lot of shooting in that starting lineup. There's more than previously, but there's still, you know, there's still Ricky Rubio, there's still Kelly Oubre, there's still DeAndre, and assuming the five that we expect to start are the starters, you know, those are three guys that are below average starters at their position or below average shooters at their position. DeAndre in a bit of an unknown quantity at this point. We'll see what happens this year if he shoots threes at all. And if he does, whether or not he could be above average at his position is unlikely at first, but maybe he can grow into it. But starting right away, they're going to need some shooting off the bench, I have a feeling. And uh, that bodes well for Tyler or for Ty Jerome. I think <laughs> there could be a good chance that Ty Jerome actually ends up playing some minutes for this team. Of course, we don't really know what kind of rotations that Monty is going to have. Maybe he's going to shorten the rotation at first and really only play the guys with NBA experience and slowly work the rookies in. Maybe he's going to try and throw them out there right at the beginning of the season if he's confident. This guy, of course, Ty Jerome, has had some huge moments on TV before. He was a guy who uh, won a championship basically in front of the whole world, had an incredible comeback against Auburn, something we talked to uh, his dad about coming up later. Um, some pretty awesome moments, and I think... He has the type of pedigree that I think could lead to him playing some minutes. It's really about how he fits onto the team and how his athleticism works out on the NBA court. I think we're going to learn a lot about that going forward, right? Yeah, and I mean, it kind of just speaks to, if you want to look at James Jones's overall philosophy, uh, if we can define one for this summer, obviously he wanted to improve actual on-court basketball attributes, like the playmaking got better, the three-point shooting got better. But I've seen the point being made recently online a lot that uh, James Jones went out and he got winners. He got a lot of players uh, who have veteran 
playoff experience at the NBA level, something that Ryan McDonough never did throughout his tenure. Uh, And it even sort of seeped into his draft philosophy as well. I mean, you can apply that to Ty Jerome. The Suns probably took into account the fact that he performed so well with Virginia, is a national champion. Uh, You know, that's obviously something that they're valuing as of late. If you go back even a year earlier and look at uh, their selection of McHale Bridges as well. Um, But yeah, when it comes to actual rotations, we just don't know what's going to happen with Ty Jerome. He's got a good shot, though. Um, and he will be coming to Phoenix and sort of getting himself settled soon. Uh, but I think we can start to maybe transition over to that interview with his uh, dad, who can really yeah. enlighten us, you know, the story of his upbringing and uh, really who he is as a player. That's right. So we had an opportunity, of course, to interview Ty Jerome's dad. His name is Mark Jerome. He's not just the father of an NBA player uh, going forward. He's also a coach who's coached guys like Donovan Mitchell and Eric Pascal and, of course, Ty Jerome now. So three NBA players that he's worked with in the past. So he has a pretty unique perspective of someone who uh, sort of raised an NBA player and, and, of course, tells us a lot of interesting stories about him growing up in New York and about Ty Jerome's journey throughout going to Virginia, winning a championship, some great moments through his life. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. Um, Before we switch over to that, I did want to give a shout out to somebody who is a listener of our podcast. His name is Jeremy Gunderson. He is someone who is organizing a, I guess it's a fan section of Suns games. The idea being that groups of Suns fans will group together potentially buy group tickets and sit together and try to be as rowdy and as loud as possible to bring up the energy of the arena. Um, What else has he described to you, Sam, about what he's trying to get together here? Uh, Just that it's sort of trying to become a cohesive fan section that is really trying to boost the energy in the arena. Uh, You know, uh, well, actually, you can speak to this from experience more than I can, you know, you being a Phoenix resident, but... uh, (laughs) <laughs> the arena has been a little bit dead naturally right. over the past decade of Suns basketball. And he's really trying to bring that back, starting with some momentum this season. He's working with the Suns um, specifically so so that there's really some cooperation uh, from the organization so far, which is a good sign. I don't think the Suns are always on top of that uh, in terms of their community relations department. So it's, it's a good sign that they have that cooperation. And uh, it's not even starting at the actual season uh, for the NBA. It's already happening now with the WNBA. They have an event for the uh, Mercury game coming up this Saturday. Yeah, that's right. That's why we were bringing it up now. Uh, He contacted us and we wanted to get the word out there. Basically, he has an event that you can sign up for at the Twitter. It's in the Twitter bio for at the Soul Rebellion. That's S-O-L, like the sun. Uh, at the Soul Rebellion. In his Twitter bio, there is a Facebook event that you could RSVP to and you can meet with the Suns. So this is what's cool about it. He reached out to the team. The team is working with him. They're going to work with the fans to try and create this fan section. So you should go there, check it out. What's cool about it is if you go to this event, after the meeting, they'll give you free tickets to the Mercury game um, in a suite, it sounds like, which you'll be able to sit in there and cheer on the team and uh, hopefully work towards creating sort of an identity for Suns fans in Phoenix. Phoenix being a transplant city, as we know, with the team being not so good over the last few years, the crowd has died down a little bit. Now, they still sell a lot of tickets, but a lot of those fans are there to see the other team. So I think he's trying to bring that uh, Suns identity back to the crowd. So check it out at the Soul Rebellion on Twitter. Go to the Twitter bio. You can find the Facebook event there and sign up to go to that and get some free tickets to the Mercury game. See a really fun Mercury team. I actually really enjoy going to those games. If you've never been to a Mercury game, highly recommend it. 
I have a great time. Um, but shout out to Jeremy. I think that's a really cool thing that he's doing. Um, and let's switch over. I think we're right about that time. Let's switch over to that interview with Mark Jerome, the father of Ty Jerome. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. This is Tom Leander, and you're listening to the Timeline Podcast with Mike and Sam. He elevates and detonates. All right, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Mark Jerome. Mark Jerome is the father of Ty Jerome, who is the son's most recent draft pick. Mark, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for asking me on the show. Of course, we're very excited to have you. And I think there's an obvious question that I have to ask you up front. Your son has been in playing basketball his entire life, and I'm sure you've been going to games his whole life. And the first question I have to ask you is, have you ever done a dunk show in the layup line at any of your son's games like LeBron did at his son's game? <laughs> a dunk show? <laughs> yes, I'm LeBron. Not familiar. But the LeBron answer, no. famously. <laughs> but I'm not familiar with it. Like, so I guess LeBron was on the layup line doing, like, creating dunks in, in front of the fans? <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically LeBron, uh, who has never been in a dunk contest, uh, put on a show at his son's game, which created a very silly controversy that happened since the last time we recorded Sam and I on our podcast that really came up to my mind when you were were joining (laughs) us because a lot of the controversy was should LeBron's should LeBron be performing essentially in front of his son's team and his teammates and basically putting on a show and he took a lot of heat for it and a lot of criticism for it um, do you have any thoughts on that? Do you think anything about that at all, basically? I don't. I think it's great for the fans if they have an opportunity to, to That's watch. That's exactly how I feel. To watch LeBron <laughs> for a free show for one arguably the greatest player in the history of basketball. <laughs> These fans have an opportunity and treated to a to a dunk to a dunk fest by by LeBron. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Um, now, what's the controversy? Oh, it's it's all it's all very stupid. I, and it's I will so say, stupid, the, and we shouldn't the spend too much time on it. <laughs> <laughs> the controversy is essentially: is this something that LeBron should not be doing because Son should be the one getting the attention and not LeBron? Is LeBron taking away attention from the team? Is he a distraction for his son? Is he a distraction for the team? Basically, things like that. And it's all because there's nothing happening right now. You know, there's no basketball. Football hasn't really started yet. It's in the middle of the baseball season. So, uh, you know, all these sports shows had to talk about something. So they decided that that was going to be the thing that they talked about. So I don't consider it much of a controversy. I think the entire thing is really stupid. But uh, I did think that you might have an interesting perspective on it as someone that's been joining, uh, you know, watching your son uh, for his entire life and coaching him at times in, in, in his in his in basketball playing career. But, you know, I think it's all mostly dumb. And it sounds like you have that a similar opinion on that as far as it being a controversy. Yep. I, I don't think there's anything to it. <laughs> now, I do have to ask you. So Ty was selected by the Phoenix Suns. Now, your son's been on TV a lot playing basketball, obviously, with the run to the championship game. So a lot of people have a familiarity with his game, but some people watch the NBA. They don't watch college. Some people watch college. They don't watch the NBA. If you just had to describe your son's game to Suns fans who have never seen him play, how would you describe Ty's game? Um, I would say very heady, high IQ, good shooter, sees the court well, not the most athletic, <laughs> understands, understands the pace of the game, understands who to give the ball to at the right time and knowing your personnel, under, re, being able to read, just being able to read a lot on the court, sometimes before it happens and as it's happening 
And I don't think the NBA is a different formula than any other type, any other league than college and high school. But I don't think that that stuff gets enough credit or people don't understand how valuable it is. Coaches do. But I think a lot of fans don't or a lot of people growing up. And, and, and you know, when you look at the majority of people who play basketball on any level, what, what I don't know, there's one percent or two percent of, of people in the world who are Russell Westbrook and LeBron James and and not even to mention that how tall they are. There are very few people who are who are six four, six five, six six, and and can leap over buildings and and do superhero <laughs> have the superhero athleticism. So you know it's rare, first of all, to make the NBA, but then it's even rare for a kid who's not that athletic to make the NBA. Um, so I think those are his strengths, and also his athleticism will will be something he's got to continue to work on. I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I wanted to ask you. Pretty much every scout has sort of said something along the lines of what you just said, that Ty is a very crafty player. He's got a great feel for the game, great fundamentals. But then when they bring up those weaknesses, they talk about athleticism. Is there anything you've seen in scouting reports or in the media perception around Ty uh, that you do want to you know, set the record straight on uh, any heavy disagreements you have? And also when it comes to the athleticism thing, you know, to what extent do you think he has to just work harder than other players uh, at some elements of his game to really be a good NBA player. As far as his, as a college player in his, in his last, his last year, I haven't disagreed with the scouting reports through high school, through his first year, maybe even part of his second year. I just would disagree with, with evaluators and um, some of them are, are so-called experts who are on TV and who, who don't, who, who sometimes just don't get it right. I mean, you're just never going to, you're not always going to be perfect. You know, your evaluation ju- judgments just aren't always going to be right. Um, I've been wrong and, and other people, I'm sure you guys have been wrong. And that's just the nature of when oh, you're yeah. an evaluator and, and when you're in this business and when you're scouting and um, he's been able to, he's been able to figure it out on every level so far. Again, the NBA is another another league, another level. And, and um, he'll be able to, I think he'll be able to figure it out there too. Um, as far as, uh, you know, I think people finally got it during the second half of his junior se- of this past season where he started shooting the ball well or, and, and, or he was being recognized for shooting the ball well and just being a really good passer. Um, defensively, he's been able to figure it out. He's been, he's, he's, you know, one of the college coach, Recruiting him his sophomore year, just thought made a comparison to an NBA player in terms of his ability to understand angles, which is also really important in the NBA in, in all levels. Uh, but but growing up, he was always too slow. He was always too short. He was always too small, and he wasn't always six five. And but he but but he would always get the job done. He ran. We ran around New York City playing in the most competitive tournaments with extremely hostile crowds and people thinking on him and people <laughs> doubting him and he got it done. He just, he, he would, and coaches couldn't understand and they would be screaming, how come you can't guard him? He's slow. He's this, he's that. But he's, um, and, and, and you watch, there were some plays he made against Auburn, his change of pace, uh, his, his ability and his knack to get into the paint and just find the open guy without reading him. And those are, those are things that, that he's worked on since a really, really young age. Yeah, I just I actually just finished watching that entire game and just his ability to catch the ball 
in like a three-point position where he can really he, he's a threat to pass he's a threat to shoot he's a threat to drive it's just really hard to guard a guy that can do everything kind of the way that he can I thought he was so impressive in that game and so vital to that victory and and how close that game was throughout I was really impressed with that and I think for those listening who don't know a lot about Mark Jerome it's not just a dad talking about his son. Mark played college ball at Lafayette. Mark, you've been a coach for a very long time as well. You know, you have actual basketball experience to draw from. You know, it's not a coincidence that Ty has this high-level basketball IQ. It sounds like you've been raising him to be a basketball player from from birth. I read a story recently where you talked about how you put a basketball in his crib after he was born. <laughs> It doesn't seem like it's much of a coincidence that he is the type of player that he is. I think you've had a huge impact on him and, and what he's become. How important do you think it was for Ty that he basically grew up with a coach in his family? Basically, do you want to take credit for how good he's become? Of course. <laughs> no. You know, I, I, the story is true. The day we came home from the hospital and put him in the crib, I put a regulation-sized basketball in the crib. Um, some people, some parents, that must've been bigger than him. Oh yeah. Well, he was, he was fairly big when he came home. Some parents put toys (laughs) and dolls and whatever in their baby's cribs. I, I, uh, insanely put a basketball regulation size basketball. Um, you know, he's been fortunate to be around a lot of good coaches and a lot of support and a lot of people who, who have offered to work out with him. So it's been a, it's been a community effort and it's been a it's been a um whole town raising him and raising his basketball awareness that literally we would dribble down the street when he was two years old with two basketballs in new york city and people's heads would turn and and ask him how old he was and 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 or baseball or football um i grew up and just had a love and a strong passion for sports my parents are, are fairly intellectual or very intellectual my dad wrote books about Einstein, <laughs> and yet I decided to, to go out. I think the, the intellectual gene hit my sister, skipped over me, and then hit my brother, uh, and, <laughs> and I became a lover of sports. And uh, as a matter of fact, my, my sister rec- referred to us when we were younger as the, the beauty, calling herself the beauty, the, the brain, my, bro- my younger brother, and the bra and me. Um, and, <laughs> and But... You know, so he was literally I would I would take him around all over New York City with around surrounded by basketball or we'd he'd watch games, college games. And even in the NBA, when I, I did really enjoy it in the 80s, uh, when the Knicks were, <laughs> were, were relevant, uh, <laughs> they're making a comeback. Uh, but but there were the days and I, and I was a huge Michael Jordan fan. And Mike, Magic Johnson was my favorite player ever. Um, and uh, I. I actually was born in San Francisco and uh and and grew up a 49er fan, a Warrior fan, and a San Francisco Giant fan, and then moved to San Francisco, New York when I'm sorry, moved to New York when I was almost seven. My parents were originally from New York. My mother's from Harlem and my dad's from the Lower East Side. And and there was sports talk and there was always like a battle. Baseball was the huge sport then and, and my dad's side was a Dodger fan and my mom's side was was a Giants fan and, and everybody hated the Yankees in my family. So I grew up <laughs> Just like in the Yankees, um, and and uh, but I took it to another level playing baseball, football, and basketball in high school, uh, and and also junior high school and, and growing up. And and uh, <laughs> quick story, and I played play, one of my football games. I got hit really hard, 
And later in the season, my coach, high school coach, told me, "You could, Mark, you could play football in college." I was like, "No, you could play football in college. I'm not messing with that sport." <laughs> but um, so, but Ty's Ty's been around it for forever, and and um, and uh, and then when he was as he got older and 10, 11, 12, and more people started branching out and being coached and tutored by other coaches uh, in addition to me, it was really good and made him more versatile. I'd like to talk a little bit about, since you mentioned New York City a few times, what particularly that does for Ty's development, because New York has a massive basketball legacy. You know, tons of legends that you get, Kareem, uh, Bernard King, Tiny Archibald, Connie Hawkins, like all these old school basketball players from New York, you know, not to make the comparison of Ty to any of those guys, but Ty now is kind of part of this new generation of players coming into the NBA from New York, players that you've coached like Donovan Mitchell. I think it's important that, you know, our fans or, or listeners at home understand that you've coached guys, not only your son, but also guys like Donovan Mitchell, Eric Pascal, who was just uh, drafted in the second round to the Warriors. Uh, how important was it for you to raise Ty in that sort of environment? You talk about the hostile crowds, maybe some of the adversity uh, that he faced growing up in New York City, and obviously the huge level of competition. Uh, what do you think that did for him all throughout his high school years even as well? I'm amazed. Like I, I'm, I'm so proud that he can be mentioned as a New York City, New York City player, and New York City point guard, and New York point guard. His mom lives in Westchester. I live in the city. I live in Harlem, um, and and so even you, you're going back with the, those names, which which and you, and the, those guys deserve to be recognized and named, and then even some of the more recent guys like Chris Mullen. I'm sorry, Kenny Smith and Kenny Anderson and Chris Mullen and Mark Jackson and guy named Walter Berry, who didn't, I don't think he made the league, but he was a, a huge, he had a huge impact on New York City basketball. And there was, there's so many more, so many more guys that, that, that the list goes on, uh, Ron Artest, um, there's so many guys that, that played high level college basketball that didn't make the league because the league is really hard to make. There's so many great players. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I had the opportunity to coach, like my, I think my, we had a fourth grade team, a third and fourth grade team, and Ty was always the youngest playing up, uh, and, and I made it hard for him. And we were doing things different um, than, than most teams. We were running back doors and back screens and down screens and playing help defense at a young age. And so we had Donovan Mitchell, Eric, a kid named Mike Williams who ended up going to Rutgers, another kid, Brandon, who went to Hampton to play, uh, another kid who went small division one. We had a ton of really good players and I always leave out a couple of players when I, when I tell the story. So I, and I always feel badly afterwards, uh, but there were the practice, our practices were really intense. Shavar Newkirk who played at St. Joe's and was on the sweet 16 run team they had a couple of years ago. Um, but our practice would be really intense at third and fourth and fifth grade. And uh, a lot of people would want to get into our practices. And, and, and so we, I ran the Riverside church program and coached that team. And, um, and, and we would, our, our tribal was the Gauchos and they based because of ages, <laughs> because of how it's broken down the rules, we would play, we would end up playing always a year, almost a year up. It was like, there was a, like a nine, 10 month difference and we would have a hard time beating them. And they, they had, uh, Malachi Richardson. Um, they had, uh, uh, Dakari Johnson, um, I'm missing some other players they had that were either made the NBA or high-level players. There was one game where I think they, between the two teams, they were like, I, I think I counted 
12 Division I high level or mid, mid to high level Division I players in a game that was played on a fourth and fifth grade level. And it was such a well played game. When you look at kids at that age <laughs> and you talk about precocious kids, like, to be able to do the things they did at that age was remarkable. Um, I didn't think about it like that at the time when I was coaching it and when I was engaged in, 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 uh, in, in, in kindly encouraging our players how to play the game. Right. But, um, but it was such a fascinating game. And, and I remember the one time we beat them was, was amazing. Uh, in the whole play, the, you're talking about a gym that was packed, packed standing room only to watch a fourth, fifth grade game in New York city in the middle of the Bronx. Uh, it was, it was quite, it was, it was a, I, it's memory that I'll never forget. We'll be back with more Mark Jerome after this quick break. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. Right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk, and you can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com and the promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. You know, you talked about how hard it is to get into the NBA, and I think that's really important. There's only really 450 guys that make it into the NBA and Ty Jerome is now one of those guys. He's basically been dubbed one of the best basketball players in the world. At what point of his him growing up did you actually think that getting to the NBA was a real possibility? I know you you mentioned growing seemed to be, you know, getting to 6-5 is probably an important part of it. You have to be tall to be in the NBA. But at what point did you think, wow, this actually could happen? I think my son's going to be an NBA player. Height? I think it would be important for him to be a little taller just because he's not athletic. But you have a lot of guys who are who – are, I don't know what the breakdown is. I don't know how many guys under 6'4", six, 6'5", six, are in the NBA. I don't know how many guys – I'm sorry, the percentage of guys who are under 6'4", six, 6'5", six, are in the NBA. And I don't know. My guess is is probably you know, the majority are above 6'5", or 6'6". Six, six. Um, I, I don't know. I, I had people reaching out to me last year. Um, and, and uh, you know, a quick story, another quick story. We were at, someone gave me a really nice watch, a Tourneau watch. Um, really, really nice present. And so we went back. I wanted to exchange it. So he, my friend told me, just exchange it. Feel free to exchange it for whatever you want. And so <laughs> I did. And uh, I was like, well, I'm not sure what I'm going to get. It was, um, and, and Ty happened to be with me. When I went to go, when it was my first attempt to go exchange it, and he's like, "Dad, don't worry about that. I'll, I'll buy you that. I'll buy you a watch. You know, when I make the league." This was like two or three years ago. I was like, "Yeah, whatever. 
What, what, are you going to make enough money from the fast food league you're playing in when you finish school? So <laughs> it's like, I got us that. Anyway, um, I think it was, you know, probably end of last season, beginning of the 2018-2019 season, agents started reaching out and I was like, he's a pretty good player. He might have a shot. So, um, and, and, and it's, I think it's lends credence to people understanding that you really can get better and you can get a lot better every year if you really work at it. Not always, but you can, if you work on the right things, if, if you, if you really challenge yourself, if you, you push yourself a lot and he's got one of those mentalities that's, um, I'm not telling he's LeBron James. I'm not telling you he's Tom Brady, but that's the mentality he has. Like he's going to work that hard. He's, he's obsessed. And um, I think when you have somebody who's got the knowledge he has and, and the obsession and the work ethic and the ability, because again, even if you have those things, the ability to repeat the same motion of shooting over and over again, I teach it at a high level. I teach people how to shoot all the time and everybody can't get it. It's amazing that a lot of people can't get it. There are very few people who could shoot really well in college and in the NBA and even high school. Right. And so you still have to have that ability to do those things. Um, and, and so um, to answer the question, I, I think it was at the end of last year, early this season. And that sort of just speaks to how much better he got at yeah. Virginia. Right. I mean, he had three seasons and kind of by the end of that run, he was one of the best pick and roll point guards in the NCAA for sure. He had, you know, not perfected necessarily, but had become really, really good operating in that pack line defense. And obviously, Ty got a lot of offers for college. So maybe what was it that made him choose Virginia in the first place to go play under Tony Bennett? Did the two of you talk extensively about that decision before he went? And maybe what words of advice did you have for him at that time? The, the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for, for improving the players in their system and to come to that, come to that school um, to, to become just to improve every day. This, the strength coach, Mike Curtis, is phenomenal. Uh, they're, they're, um, there's a great balance that that staff and a great culture that that staff has created and that's passed down from the older guys to the younger guys every year. And, um, and there's also some freedom and flexibility that, that Coach Bennett doesn't get, deser- get, doesn't get the credit that he allows the players to have. And it's, it's, he doesn't micromanage everything where I think a lot of people think he does. Um, so I just I, I want to mention that, too. It was uh, he, he didn't have a ton of big offers his sophomore year. And so Bennett um, had followed him. He had, he had a couple of offers his eighth grade year from Columbia. And then Fordham came in the ninth grade year. And then more schools started coming in and, and offerings mid-majors. Um, and and uh, he was playing for an Under Armour team out of New York City. And playing in the Under Armour Championships in, in Atlanta. And Virginia had come in. And another a friend of mine who coaches who was coaching at Minnesota at the time has since moved on from there, coaching at another school, came to me and said, Mark, you know, Northwestern really likes Ty. And I was really offended because he was telling me, he, he is the coach of, assistant coach of Minnesota, telling me about another school. And the truth is, I, I really like Stanford for him. I mean, I just, I mean, what, what's not to love about Stanford? Except it's really, except it's 3,000 miles from New York. Um, 
but you know, academically and, and athletically, it's not a lot of better places. So Virginia and, and one of my friends who was running grassroots Under Armour at the time had told me that Stanford was had been somewhat interested. Um and then his coach had told me that Virginia was coming to watch him play. And I was like, really? UVA? And I think UVA had finished the year like fourth or the country at one point in time, was second in the country. And I, it, it was uh, one of the greatest feelings in my life. Um, and, he, and he just had some really big moments in that tournament. And his team ended up winning the championship. And then his AAU coach told me that Virginia was going to call me to offer a tie scholarship that night. And I was like, no, you're kidding. What are you talking about? BS. And lo and behold, Bennett called and, and uh, offered. And, I, and it was a really exciting moment. And so we I, we, I wanted to visit Stanford. Bennett wanted us to come and commit his uh, summer of between his sophomore and junior year. And I still wanted to go visit Stanford. Stanford and, and I was had a trip planned out to California in July or August. and and I knew one of the coaches out there, and so I ended up going, held Bennett off till uh, a couple of weeks later. And I think it was over, actually over Labor Day weekend, and I got a chance to get to Stanford and see the campus again and hang out with the coach, assistant coach at the time. And uh, we went, then we went down to UVA, and uh, it was so impressive. Beautiful school. Um, they had just come off of winning, I think, they had just come off of winning the a a ACC league tournament and league, or I don't know if they won the league that year or won the tournament, and uh, walked in, and it was just a dream. And it was tough not to fall in love with it um, immediately. And then on the way home, Bennett wanted us to recruit, and I had told him that we had made a decision on our way down. We weren't going to commit under any circumstances. While we were there, we needed a couple of a couple of days or some time to think about. It. He said, "Okay, take some time and, and get back to me." And on the way home, his mom and I were talking about it with him. And three of us were talking about it. Where where were you going to go in the ACC? That's that's a better academically. That's logistically fairly geographically fairly close. We get to games and come hang out, or you could get home fairly easily in, in, for the few days that you might have off. And uh, and with great basketball, and so we um, he decided. I think a day, or maybe even on the way home, that he wanted to commit to Virginia. So that's how it was done. Were you at the Auburn game in person? And because that was a huge game, that's probably going to be like a legendary game for Virginia forever. Basically, that's going to be one of those things where alumni for Virginia are going to talk about it till the end of time. And Ty Jerome was your son was involved in some of the biggest moments of that game. He was first of all, he was probably the best player uh, in on the floor in that game, which included four or five probable NBA players going forward, a few definite NBA players and some that are on the fringes that likely will end up in the NBA. And of course, the two passes to Kyle Guy were by your son as well. And he made those passes. Uh, you know, were you at that game? And what was it like watching that game? being so invested in it like you were first of all thanks for saying he was the best player in the court i was at the game <laughs> uh sitting behind the bench in in my usual intense uh, self and actually i was sitting next to dana o'neill who writes for the athletic and she was doing a story on my behavior 
or how or how watching a parent watch his son play basketball in the final four so that's probably a little bit better behavior than, than i typically had been through the season <laughs> but uh um it was such an intense game it was such a crazy game and then they i think virginia went up 10 and the ref and they were finally pulling away. They couldn't pull away, and they finally do. I don't know how many how much time was left. Four or five minutes left in the game, and the ref called a foul on Ty uh, when he I don't know if he blocked the shot or or caused the guy to miss the shot, and that was his third foul. And I was like, uh oh, this is not good. Knowing my child, knowing um, just I, I had a feeling that was going to change the pace of the game. Um, they hit a free throw or two free throws. Ty came down court and went into the post against Jared Harper. And um, there was a lot of banging. Harper fouled him. What's that? And they didn't. And Harper fouled him, and they didn't call it. <laughs> okay, I, I, I thought yeah. so too. I mean, there was yeah. a lot of contact. There was a couple plays where there was a lot of contact. I think earlier in the game, Dre got mugged, and there was no call. Um, and and uh, in that play, I, I thought Harper was really hammering Ty. And he didn't get the call. So on one end, he got he got a foul call against him. That was a really questionable call on a perimeter shot. And then Harper's beating him up, and they don't call that. And I, and I just was like, uh-oh, this is not going to be good. And, of course, he picks up. Then he goes and, and picks up his fourth foul on a, on a bonehead play. Um, and he had to sit out. And when he sat out, I think he was having, at that point, he had been having a pretty good impact in the game, on the game. And when he sat out, Auburn made a good run, and uh, yeah, he Six got points. back in, and and yep. um, he could Auburn maintained that, kept fighting and clawing, and and took the lead, and then uh, um, <laughs> it, I, I agree, it's going to be that the Purdue game and the Auburn game, well, all three games, all three, the last mm-hmm. three games they played were just in a, a roller coaster of emotions. Within the last few seconds, I mean, they they were they lost, they won, they lost, they won, um, and and actually the fourth <laughs> game, the, the, the game against Oregon was a really tough game too. That was a nail biter. Mm-hmm. I think they had one game in the run in the whole tournament that was that wasn't that wasn't that questionable. I think the game against Oklahoma was the only game in their initial game against Gardner Webb. It was like, uh oh, not again. They were down sixteen twice. They were down. Or fourteen, they were down twenty-eight to fourteen. They were down thirty to sixteen before they made a run. But that Auburn game, um, I think that that's probably I agree with you. That's that's probably the game that that had oof, that people are going to remember always. I mean, the Purdue game was really special because of Kihei's pass to Mamadi and Mamadi's shot at the buzzer. That Auburn game was something mm-hmm. was something special, legendary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which which was more nerve wracking between watching that? Or draft night. Oh, watching well, because draft night has to be one. Draft night has to be one of the most nerve wracking experiences for a young athlete, right? Just the not knowing where you're going to get settled. I don't know if you were told any information about Phoenix beforehand, um, but you know, maybe if you could describe your experience on what that night was like as well. I will, but definitely, it, while I was watching both, the the game was definitely more stressful. Absolutely more stressful. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> Uh, for, I think draft night for me, I was a little bit more relaxed. Um, I, I had a lot of confidence in his agent. His agent was was extremely supportive. His agent is has a has a great reputation and is a Mark Mark Bartlestein of Priority Sports. And he he um 
he sold me on on uh on himself and and his company early on and um did such a great job i i, I wasn't that nervous about it ty was it was a lot more nerve-wracking for ty and, and between the two i think up until he sat out the auburn game i think it was i think it was we had the we had it was the opposite where he was he was eased about or i won't say eased but he was a lot less stressed about the game than he was about being drafted and he i think that the later the later the 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 draft went in the first round the more the more frustrating or or more nerve nervous he was right did you have any idea that the suns were targeting him because it was kind of a weird situation where uh, the Suns didn't have a yep. late first round pick yep. anymore because of some trades that were made. And then uh, they basically cashed in on a pick that would have conveyed next year, a Milwaukee Bucks pick and traded back into the first round uh, to pick Ty, which is to me, it shows that they valued him a lot. They picked him, uh, you know, in the first round and they used a future asset to make sure that he was on the team this year. Did you have any idea that it was going to be the Suns or was that not. a surprise to you guys? Really? I did not. I did, wow. did not. Um, his agent had thought it was going to be a couple other teams. He had some really good workouts for some teams and, and that expressed a lot of interest. And, and, um, I think he, he had some good conversations and, and strong interviews with a lot of teams and between the, with the workouts and the interviews, there were three or four teams that I thought he, he had a chance to, to be selected by. Um, and then as the rounds, as, as the picks, as, as the draft continued um, and more and more kids got drafted, I, I was, some of the picks caught me off guard and I was like, ooh, that doesn't bode well for him. Um, but then um, the t- I, I, I wasn't suspecting that this, this one's hmm. so very happy about it. Very yeah, happy we're very happy to a New Yorker, a New Yorker that doesn't love the cold. I'm really happy about it. <laughs> has um, <laughs> has he moved out? Enjoys the warm days. What's has that? He, has he moved out to Phoenix yet? Has he gotten settled at all? No, not yet. Not okay. yet. He's got rookie training program coming up in a week. Um, we're actually going away for a couple of days tomorrow. He, my his, his younger brother, and I, some of my family members for a couple of days, and then he rookie training program, and then he'll move out in the middle of the month. As a as someone who's lived in Phoenix for 14 years, I, I would tell him to wait as long as possible uh, until the summer starts to wind down before he gets here as well. Because although it's very nice in the winter, it's brutal in the summer, and I know it's a dry heat. Everyone's going to tell you it's a dry heat, but it's still very hot. So uh, uh, you'll love it in the winter, though. When you're coming down to those home games in, in the middle of December and it's you're covered in snow in New York, you're going to come here and it'll be 65, 70 degrees still, and you'll enjoy that. <laughs> that that'll be nice. I'm gonna love it. I know. I, I actually came, went, played in a tournament in, in um, during the days where Riverside Church when I was younger. During the days when everybody when there weren't a million teams, and we came down and we played at uh, Arizona State University, and it was such a big deal at the time. And I was, it was incredible experience. And I remember swimming in the pool at the hotel, and I. I think the uh, there was a baseball a professional baseball team during spring. No, I guess that was in the, it was in the summertime. So the spring train that was that was a different trip to Phoenix in my ninth grade year. But I remember in that summer tournament, it was I think it was 110 degrees outside while we were in the pool. And when you're young, you don't you might not think about it. It's like okay, whatever. I'm I'm hanging out in the pool. It's so much fun. But when you're a little older, I don't know 
if there's a day that's too hot for me because <laughs> cold is so brutal and it's so painful sometimes in New York City. And, and the, the days when the mm -hmm. snow melts and there's just you have to deal with the subways and, and, and some people are cranky people sometimes. And, and so, you know, if you can wake up, if I can wake up to sun 300 days a year, oh, I would love it. Yeah, I think I hope Ty feels that way too because that's the way it is here. I don't even remember the last time it rained. Uh, but last Jesus. thing before we let you go, I know. Th thank you so much for your time. Of course, once again, I know we've actually kept you even longer than we anticipated. So we appreciate you doing this. You now are running a youth basketball training grounds where you actually uh, coach and develop young basketball players. I just want you to maybe talk about that for Suns fans who don't know about it, and uh, just let us know what you're doing with the young basketball players now. Yeah, we've been doing it for, for years since Ty was – before Ty was born, I've been coaching. Actually, I, uh, on my varsity team, my freshman year, I played varsity, and, and uh, I was trying to coach. I thought it was a coach at that time, and then the older guys would be in the hallways <laughs> and, and, and who, who were my big brothers and punch me in the chest as they walked by and tell me, told me shut up during practice. <laughs> so, But, but I, I've been coaching forever, and, and um, it's, it's – I love it. I love it. It's so rewarding. And just to watch kids develop and watch people get better and watch people's IQs develop and watch them over the years and not just necessarily immediately get better, but over three, four years. It's incredible. It's amazing. Uh, it's really fun. And, and um, I love teaching a kid how to shoot. I'm working with some kids now in college and high school and watching them adjust and make changes and, and get a chance to play. Um, it's it's a uh, it's a credit to them with to have the ability to be able to, to, to improvise and adjust. Um, and, and, I, and I, it's, it brings me a lot of joy. Sam, you got anything else you want to ask before we let him go? No, that's, that's really it for me, Mark. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this was a really awesome conversation and we're super excited for your son to be here in Phoenix. Thank you guys very much. I am a, a big foodie. So I'm, when I come out, I'm going to need some recommendations and suggestions. I can help with that. Sam lives in New York, actually, funny enough. I actually, enough. yeah, <laughs> but, uh, somehow never came up that uh, I'm born and raised in New Rochelle, uh, where <laughs> I know Ty played at Iona Prep. Throughout the course of this interview, I'm actually up in the western half of the state now. But I'm sure many of our listeners could help you out with uh, food recommendations and Mike oh, as well. Please, I don't, I'm on it. Please, don't don't forget me because I'm going to be a pest if you guys don't. But So are you in Phoenix now? Or are you... Are you? Um, um, I, Sam I, is not. I am in Rochester, New York. Oh, you now. are? Okay. I'm not from Phoenix, yes. Right. But so how often do you go? Are you there sometimes, or how'd you get to become a Phoenix fan? Uh, Steve Nash, um, yeah. <laughs> realistically. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. You know, he, he really did that for a whole generation <laughs> of basketball players. And interestingly, it never came up, but there are parallels to be drawn between your son and yep. Steve Nash as well, I think, in terms of what the scouting reports say. And that, that might be something interesting for us to explore. You know, it's a it's a great honor to be compared to Steve Nash, who's always been one of my favorite players. Um, and and just what he's able to, how he's able to impact the game at his height, at his athleticism. Uh, he's such a great player. He, he reads the, he can make a quick read. He's an unbelievable shooter. He's a great competitor with a high IQ. Um, so anybody that wants to compare Ty to Steve Nash, <laughs> I, I I take that any day. Uh, and and I think Absolutely. you know Ty actually followed Steve Nash at a young age and knew about his diet and started following his diet for a while. No sugar and and Steve Nash also spends some time in New York, 
an um, intern for for a, for a good friend of mine, funny enough. But uh, um, yeah, Steve Nash is a great player. So great. I, I love that comparison. I love it too. I think, and I know we're keeping you even longer now, but I think <laughs> one of the things that your son does that Steve Nash is so good at is the using space to create for others, I think is something that a lot of young guards have to learn how to do it. And it takes a really long time to read and react. And when I watch uh, your f- footage of your son playing basketball, so much of it is is finding the crevices, finding the angles, as you talked about earlier, and using those angles not just to create for himself, but to create for others. And that type of skill, that type of level of basketball playing is very uncommon. You don't see it often with a lot of players. It takes a lot to do it, and that's something that Steve Nash was great at. That's something that your son is great at, and I think those comparisons are apt, especially coming out of college. Obviously, I'm not predicting two MVPs for your son's future, but wouldn't that be great? It wouldn't be bad. It would not be bad. Getting a second contract, a third contract would be unbelievable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, can't wait to see him play. We'll definitely be down there. Um, I'll have to get your phone number from Sam so I can send you some uh, restaurant recommendations for you and your son once you get to Phoenix. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. I think Suns fans are really going to enjoy this. Mike and Sam, thank you guys both very much. I look forward to meeting you in person. One-point game, Virginia in the lead. Jerome for three! Yes, sir! Ty Jerome extends the Virginia lead. Down to five. Jerome's got to go. Jerome splits it. Jerome up high off the window. He scores! By Ty Jerome. Jerome, but on the other end, Jerome getting anywhere he wants to for the flip shot. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.